Let me start by welcoming you back from spring break. I want to continue the course more or less the same way we were before, but now it'll just be a little bit more structured. Updated the syllabus uh, for the last five weeks. If you haven't gotten a copy of the syllabus, download one now. I'll be delivering my lectures in audio-only format for the rest of the semester. Today's lecture is not live, but future lectures might be. Just keep checking eCampus for updates. Uh, your grades are not up to date at the moment, but I'm planning on getting to those today so that by Thursday everything on eCampus will be up to date. Um, basically, here's how the rest of the semester will work. Each week you're going to either read two articles or watch two videos or read one article and watch one video and you'll have a written homework assignment for each. At the end of the week um, you'll take an online quiz over um, those two items and whatever I lectured on. Um, the test that you're going to take will be taken during the weekend so I'll probably put a deadline on it on Sunday night. Um, then the cycle continues for the next week. There's no final exam for this course, so we basically have five weeks, including this one, and we're done. You can contact me via email, and if you'd like to talk, then send me your phone number, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, there won't be any more face-to-face -face meetings this semester. Again, I can't emphasize enough, please check eCampus every few days for updates. This will be a busy five weeks. Good luck. Lecture. Why do people believe weird things? So in 1997, I picked up a book by Michael Shermer called Why People Believe Weird Things. Sadly, I was disappointed. As an anthropologist, I'm always looking to understand why people believe the things that they do, and I assumed Shermer's title was a pithy jab that he was going to literally explain why people believe the things they do. Instead, book was about beliefs he considers irrational and false, such as believing in ghosts or aliens and conspiracy theories, or in creation rather than evolution, believing in God for that matter. The majority of his text <clears throat> was about why those beliefs are false and how you can argue with people who believe in them. Now, the purpose of anthropology is not to judge, but to describe and explain. I start with the assumption that human beings are rational, People believe in things for rational reasons. Furthermore, the truth is irrelevant when it comes to belief. Modern politics should prove that much. Michael Shermer will never understand why people believe things because he is under the false impression that his objective reality matters. So when I read Nancy Shepard Hughes's book, Death Without Weeping, I saw a much better version of what I had hoped for in Why People Believe Weird Things. In fact, anthropologists have written dozens of books describing people's beliefs and the underlying factors of their lives that render their beliefs rational. But for today, we'll stick with Nancy Shepard Hughes's story of a little town within a town in Pernambuco, Brazil. Death Without Weeping <clears throat> takes place in a shanty town, a slum in Timbaba. The slum, situated on a hillside, is referred to as Alto do Cruzeiro. 
In the 1960s, when Nancy Shepard Hughes first studied in the Alto, she observed firsthand the abject poverty and lack of critical infrastructure that resulted in a perilous existence for mothers and children. The slum lacked water, electricity, sanitation, paved roads, and any semblance of security. Most residents had no or little income, and food was scarce. Fertility rates, these are the rates at which women get pregnant, were high. The statistically average woman had 9.5 pregnancies, eight of which were carried to term, and only four and a half that survived, on average. But rather than mourn for their losses, Shepard Hughes noted that mothers were strikingly detached about infant mortality. <clears throat> the general belief was that infants were taken to heaven by God in order to save their mothers and children the pain and suffering of living under such conditions. The dead infants were viewed as angels, their deaths not mourned, but celebrated. Now, this belief strikes me as exactly the sort of thing that Michael Shermer would consider a weird belief. Sometimes the mothers showed a lack of concern for newborns, even, suggesting that they already considered them destined to be angels and withheld breast milk, possibly hastening their infant's death. Well, from an evolutionary standpoint, this might seem counterintuitive. Isn't motherly love a biological instinct? A mother's reproductive success depends on the survival of her children. Consequently, a mother allowing her children to die may seem directly contrary to her biological programming. But evolutionary biology is complicated. Given limited resources, a woman cannot simply produce an unlimited number of children. Human babies can't survive on their own, and in the absence of social support systems, the mother must make significant investments of time and sustenance to ensure their healthy survival. <coughs> It's quite possible that given the high infant mortality of her neighborhood, that she is maximizing the number of offspring that will grow to adulthood by limiting her investment in newborns. In theory, this situation would be avoidable through birth control, but in the 1960s, Alto de Cruzeiro, only the rhythm method was available. Emotional detachment to infants is therefore a rational response to abject poverty. Emotional detachments to infants, therefore, emotional detachments to infants is, therefore, a rational response to abject poverty conditions, unfettered fertility, and high infant mortality. It's not a belief that she consciously chose, but rather her beliefs are shaped by the realities of her existence. That is true of us all. All of our beliefs are shaped by the realities of our existence. Sometimes we believe things for social reasons, sometimes for practical reasons, and sometimes we may believe something because it is, quote, the truth. However, humans are conspicuously bad at determining the true underlying causes of reality, uh, that truth usually gives way to experience and rationalization. The bottom line is that people can believe anything, so they tend to believe in things that make sense of their own worldview and they reject evidence that disrupts their worldview. They gravitate towards experiences that benefit themselves socially, financially, and reproductively. People change their beliefs slowly as the underlying conditions of their reality also change. 
Nancy Shepard Hughes revisited Alto do Cruzeiro in the 2000s when many things had changed. There were now health programs for women, contraceptives were available, infrastructural improvements had brought amenities like water and electricity and pavements to the Alto. It's still what you would call an impoverished community, but among other things, the infant mortality. It's still what you would call an impoverished community, but among other things, infant mortality was down to below 3%. How do you think their beliefs have evolved in response to these underlying changes? Read Nancy Shepard Hughes' No More Angel Babies on the Alto do Cruzeiro to find out.